Agora, the podcast that reports on what's happening in Greece and explains why it matters. Thanks for joining us, or for those who've walked with us before, welcome back. I'm Nick Malkoutsis. And I'm Phoebe Foronista, ready for another stroll through an issue that's got Greeks talking. On this episode, we're going to take a closer look at the Greek media and why there are so many questions about its quality and independence. Those of you who listened to our last episode on the surveillance scandal in Greece will have heard us talking about how the issue, and remember we're talking about journalists and politicians being monitored by the secret service or someone else, well this issue had been ignored for a long time by much of the mainstream media here in Greece. It was, however, followed very closely and investigated by a number of small, recently formed independent media outlets. And towards the end of the episode, we pondered on whether this was actually something hopeful to take from the recent developments. The subject of whether the mainstream media is doing its job properly is not something new in Greece, but it has become an even greater bone of contention over the last couple of years. The government's decision to hound out millions of euros in a rather untransparent manner to certain media outlets in 2020 as part of the COVID awareness campaigns provided one of the recent flashpoints. It's actually the theme of the sixth episode of the Agora. So if you want, go back into our archive and listen to that if you want to learn more about that particular issue. But since then, concerns have also been raised about the way that much of the Greek media has covered key matters, such as the surveillance issue, migration, policing, and various political scandals. And then, of course, there's a still unsolved murder of crime reporter Yorgos Kairavaz in April 2021, which compounded concerns about press freedom. More than a year and a half later, the investigation into his assassination has not produced any results. And just as we're recording this episode, the Supreme Court prosecutor in Greece has suggested that the tax authorities might want to pay a visit to certain media outlets. His outburst came in the wake of reports suggesting the senior prosecutor had attempted to block a probe by Greece's communications privacy watchdog into wiretapping by the National Intelligence Service. The watchdog found that the spy agency had placed investigative journalist Tassos Teloglu and Greek MEP Yorgos Kirtsos under surveillance. These kinds of issues led to Greece sliding down the rankings in the annual Press Freedom Index, which is compiled by Reporters Without Borders, or RSF as they're also known. In the 2022 iteration of the index, Greece was ranked 108th out of 180 countries. Nestled between Burundi and Zambia, Greece had the lowest score of any European Union member state. And the report, which was published several months ago, sparked a war of words in Greece, because the government and its supporters suggested the ranking was inaccurate, while the opposition and its backers 
claimed it was proof of the increasingly authoritarian environment under the current center-right government. Many commentators in the Greek media also took exception to the score. They dismissed it as being wide of the mark, pointing out that some countries which have dictatorships and authoritarian regimes are ranked above Greece. But a lot of independent journalists argued that the ranking was a wake-up call, a confirmation of all the things they've been warning and complaining about. Given that we've already examined the Greek media landscape on this podcast series, we refrained from dipping back into the issue over the past few months. We were concerned that it might be too much of a inside-the-beltway kind of issue for our audience. But we decided to revisit the matter after a recent comment by the Greek Prime Minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis. In November, Mitsotakis was invited to take part in a discussion at the London School of Economics to mark the 25th anniversary of the university's Hellenic Observatory. Following his discussion with Professor Kevin Featherstone, the Greek PM took questions from the audience, and one of these questions had to do with media freedom in Greece. He was asked about what steps his government is taking to ensure the freedom of the press in Greece. And here's his response. We apologize in advance for the sound quality. Because I, I do think that there is no issue in terms of freedom of press in Greece. Uh, and I think for those, at least the Greeks in the audience, know that we have a vibrant press. You can write anything you want in Greece. We have TV. We have many TV channels. There's always, you know, two, two views presented. You know, the government view, the opposition uh, view. There was one report uh, by a non-governmental organization that ranked Greece 108th uh, in press freedom, behind at least 30 dictatorships. Chad was 105. Uh, sorry, but that is just crap. Excuse my language. Uh, 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 I'm not saying that they're not. Uh, steps we can take uh, when it comes to um, further fostering, uh, you know, a vibrant um, uh, civic society. But I can tell you uh, that uh, freedom of press is not an issue in Greece. If you just look at, you know, the newspapers, uh, the daily newspapers, probably three quarters are against the government, very harshly criticizing the government as they have a right um, uh, to uh, to do. So I really don't think that there is an issue regarding the, you know, the freedom of press uh, uh, in uh, uh, in Greece that's sort of worth really discussing uh, in significant uh, detail. I would argue, if, if anything, Greece has rather weak libraries. Um, so there you have the Greek PM, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, telling an audience at the LSE that there is no issue with press freedom in Greece and describing the RSF press freedom ranking for Greece, placing it 108th out of 180 countries assessed as, quote-unquote, crap. Spicy. His words. <laughs> so based on this, let's say, robust defense of Greek media freedom and the steps taken by the current government to ensure that the press is doing its job properly and without interference or influence, we wanted to take a closer look at whether there is in fact a problem, and if so, what exactly it is. The RSF index score has proved an anathema to the government, so we wanted to establish why Reporters Without Borders, an international non-profit organization which says its aim is to defend the right of every human being to have access to free and reliable information, has awarded Greece such a low mark for media freedom. Nick spoke 
to Pavel Salai, who is the head of the EU and Balkans desk at RSF, to find out more about why his organization is concerned about the state of the Greek media. So, Pavel, as I'm sure you know, uh, the Greek PM recently referred to the RSF ranking media freedom in Greece at 108th out of the 180 countries you monitor as crap. That's his quote. Explain to us briefly how RSF arrived at this ranking, which I'm sure you know is causing quite a bit of a discussion and controversy in Greece. So first, a very quick reaction to Prime Minister's words. Uh, Using words like crap says more uh, about their author than about the target uh, of those words. Uh, And second, uh, this just shows how much Prime Minister doesn't understand the gravity of the problems with press freedom in Greece. And the latest uh, proof of that being the absolutely insufficient draft bill uh, meant to uh, improve uh, surveillance network to better protect fundamental rights of Greek citizens and journalists. Now, to answer your question about the index, the methodology of RSF's World Press Freedom Index is solid and transparent. Anybody can read about it. There is a whole host of information about the methodology on our website. Um, We use two methods to collect information. First is the quantitative method, which is uh, uh, calculating the number of press freedom violations in the country. This can be attacks, uh, murders of journalists and others. Uh, And the second method is qualitative. We send a questionnaire that also is published on our website uh, with more than 120 questions uh, to uh, media experts and journalists in uh, every country. It's a panel of experts and journalists uh, with no links to political parties. There is no political interference in our index. And just to underline this, in the case of Greece, we did criticize the Greek government even when Syriza was in power. To what extent did the murder of the crime reporter Yoros Karavaz have an outsized influence on Greece being ranked 108th? I mean, Greece's rankings haven't been great in, in recent years anyway, but did that really tip tip the balance? I think uh, it tipped the balance, uh, a murder of a journalist in a democratic country has a huge impact on press freedom. A murder of a journalist is the most extreme form of censorship, as the Irish writer George Bernard Shaw put it. Um, it silences the journalist and it has the potential to silence journalists that, that continue working and struggle to, to bring uh, trustworthy information Uh, And the biggest issue in Greece is that the investigation is completely stalled. No suspect uh, has been arrested uh, after more, much more than than a year uh, after the assassination. 
and we call on the Greek authorities to invite Europol to assist them in this investigation. Uh, Europol has played a very constructive role in helping to investigate the murders of Daphne Karnagalizia in Malta or Jan Kuciak in Slovakia. Um, but, I mean, the list of press freedom issues, unfortunately, uh, goes beyond the murder of George Carvajal, and it's very long. Okay, on that, Pavel, when we're talking about press freedom or, or, or press freedom as the RSF and its index characterize it, what are we talking about? We're not talking about presumably whether um, newspapers are free to print things uh, because the argument would be in Greece and the, the prime minister makes this argument. He made it in European Parliament. He made it uh, at his LSE discussion the other day and it's made by government officials if you go to the kiosk in greece well the newspapers are hanging there like on the on the clothes lines on the pegs you can see all kinds of views expressed and so on is that what you're talking about when you say that there's an issue with press freedom in greece the fact that there is a critique of the government and that there is a certain uh, discussion um is not uh, uh proof that there is strong press freedom press freedom is the the liberty to collect um treat and uh, spread uh journalistic uh information trustworthy information treated in a professional way uh and uh, we can take a specific example. Uh, how is it possible that the yeah. surveillance affair, Predator Gate, for a very long time was not treated in the major Greek media? Is it uh, because uh, journalists uh, are self-censoring themselves? Is it because they are intimidated by someone is it because their sources are intimidated? Uh, confidentiality of sources is a cornerstone of press freedom according to the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. Uh, yet it is very threatened in uh, Greece. Look at the article of uh, Inside Story journalist uh, Teleglu uh, explaining how he allegedly was followed and Ask yourself, like, what the impact is on on the sources. So journalists cannot work. Investigative journalists cannot work with this source without these sources. I could also mention other examples, like uh, scandals linked to to the government related to COVID, um, which were not reported by the public media. Uh, also, uh, you know, if you look at uh, the economic indicator of press freedom in Greece. Um, it's very, very low. It's the lowest among the five indicators. Uh, and yet the, the government distributed uh, advertisement and, and funding in a disproportional way uh, compared to, to, to media's influence uh, and to the detriment of, of independent or, or critical media. So uh, there is press freedom in Greece and this is not a ranking of governments. It's a ranking of countries, but uh, 
compared to other countries, uh, reference countries in the European Union for Greece, the press freedom is, is very low. Nevertheless, Pavel, the, the Greek Prime Minister points out that Greece being ranked below some countries that are dictatorships doesn't make sense. Equally, Greece is placed last among European Union countries, even though in some places, for example, Hungary, media freedom seems uh, a bigger problem. And intuitively, these observations uh, seem correct. It seems strange that Greece, despite the, the problems that you've mentioned, is ranked below that. How How is this possible? Can mm -hmm. you explain that? Uh, so first, we have to abandon the idea that uh, African countries must uh, necessarily do worse than European countries. Uh, second, again, this is not a ranking of governments. It's a ranking of countries. Third, we discussed the murder of George Caravaz. It happened in 2021 in Greece, which is the reference year for the collection of data for the last index. In Chad, there was not a murder of journalists in 2021. It's as simple as that. Um, but the, 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 that's fair, fair enough, but the counter-argument would be in Chad, which was the example that the, the Prime Minister gave, would journalists be free to write what they want? Now, of course, you, you've explained that that's not necessarily what this index is, is looking at, but if you want to have a go at answering that point, I think mm. it would be useful. Look, I, I'm not um, an expert of Africa. This is not my, my geographical zone. Uh, sure. uh, I think uh, there is a, a certain uh, press freedom and a certain pluralism in chat as well. Um, I think the uh, reference countries for, for Greece should be European countries. And um, even if you look at Hungary, Uh, of course, uh, Prime Minister Viktor Orban uh, has been has been declared by RSF as a predator of press freedom, and uh, uses systematic measures to to curb um, freedom of expression. But uh, again, journalists, for example, in Hungary, are not arbitrarily arrested, uh, as Nikos Pilos was uh, recently, uh, and many. The, the photographer. Many others uh, reporting on migration or other sensitive issues, and the journalists are not murdered in Hungary. So, uh, so, so, yeah. So, you know, uh, I would say, you know, this is this is the result uh, of our questionnaires and our uh, quantitative method, and uh, I we could also presume that murder of a journalist and other press freedom violations in a democratic country such as Greece uh, are so, so grave that uh, they, they really weigh in the evaluation by the uh, respondents to the questionnaire. Okay, uh, let's address another issue that it's, uh, really comes up a lot. There's, there's been a tendency in Greece to dismiss the RSF's assessment as just the musings of an NGO, a non-governmental organization. In other words, the product of a group that is insignificant or even worse, the recipient of questionable funding or pressure. These kinds of discussions have always come up with uh, NGOs. 
is this something that you've picked up on either from where you are or during your visits to Greece? And uh, how would you respond to that? So first, I'm glad that there is a discussion about press freedom uh, in Greece. Uh, I believe that uh, it became a political issue discussed by the government after we published the index. And it's since become a European issue. Uh, and I'm glad despite RSF being attacked uh, because this is not about RSF. This is about the Greek journalists and the Greek citizens' right to information. Of course, we hear the, the, the attempts to, to discredit uh, the World Press Freedom Index. It's a way to measure press freedom. Uh, the 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 real issue is what the government is doing um, to improve press freedom, and you can look at the rule of law report of the European Commission published in, uh, I believe, in summer this year, uh, critical yeah. uh, of Greece, also making recommendations. Um, you can look at the work of the committee of the European Parliament to investigate surveillance affairs, of which the Predator Gate is a top uh, issue. Uh, and RSF uh, is here to denounce press freedom violations, but also to propose uh, solutions. And as you know, I met with the government spokesperson, Yanis Oikonomou, and I did discuss with him our recommendations for their surveillance law um, to, so that journalists are better protected against arbitrary surveillance. Um, but unfortunately, uh, 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 the government doesn't seem to, 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 to go in the right direction and go, it goes even in the opposite direction if you look at the bill. And... Um, just to finish that that uh, I that thought, we will continue uh, our work on the national level and on the European level, uh, and we'll continue learning about about press freedom. We are not discouraged at all. On on the contrary, we are encouraged by 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 attacks against the press freedom index. Okay, Pavel. Just to finish off. Um... Let's assume you you know you have the Greek Prime Minister in front of you. He's uh, got over his uh, disappointment with uh, Greece's RSF uh, Media Freedom Index ranking. You've forgiven him for for his comments. All all is good, and he says to you, Pavel, what are the two or three things that RSF thinks that we need to do in Greece to improve media freedom and perhaps you know drawing on. Uh, uh, best practices that have been adopted elsewhere, or examples of media working very well in in other countries. What what kind of things would you suggest need to be done? Thank you. It's it's a very good question. Uh, I will mention three things in uh, an order that doesn't necessarily reflect their importance mutually. Uh, first, come up with a legal framework for for surveillance. Uh, protective of uh, journalists and their sources uh, and preventing arbitrary surveillance of journalists. This is the biggest 
affair in Europe this year, and we need a strong response. When I mean Europe, I mean the European Union. Second, do everything possible uh, to uh, bring to justice the perpetrators and the masterminds of the murder of George Caravaz. You know, we don't evaluate the government based on uh, attacks against journalists. Uh, we evaluate its reaction to these attacks, how the authorities investigate them. And the third issue I would mention, uh, the third recommendation is involve journalists in your decisions concerning them. This is just a normal democratic practice that the, the laws uh, or the measures, even like a law enforcement doctrine, doctrine concerning protests, uh, fight against abusive lawsuits uh, and others uh, are discussed with uh, the media and the journalists and with a wide panel of uh, representatives of the media because, as I said, they are extremely polarized, so you need to invite everyone to the table. Um, uh, so we need, we need this dialogue uh, between the government and the journalists uh, to overcome this huge distrust between many journalists uh, and the government, and we will not move further in Greece unless we have it. Okay, Pavel, I'm glad that we can leave it on a constructive note. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the interest. That was Pavel Salai of Reporters Without Borders speaking to Nick about media freedom in Greece. It was an interesting discussion, Phoebe, with uh, Pavel. But as I mentioned to him, there is something incongruous about uh, Greece's ranking. But I also think that people miss the point when they get very het up about the 108th place. What do you mean? Well, I still have doubts about some of the things Pavel said. But I think one of the most useful points he makes is that people may be focusing a bit too much on the 108th spot and it being below African countries or what have you, and ignoring the fact that Greece ranks last amongst its own peers, uh, other EU member states. For instance, the next lowest EU country is Bulgaria, which ranks 91st. So the question is, if Greece placed 92nd or 90th, for example, would that suddenly make things okay? Would it make everything all right? Hmm. Um, so I, I think we're missing the wood for the trees here. The, the issue is not the number that appears next to Greece, but the fact that there are a series of issues, including an unsolved murder, let's not forget, that have caused an organization that monitors press freedom across the world to flag up a number of concerns. That's really what we should be worried about. Well, I think that another reason that Mitsotakis's crap comment caused so many journalists to see red was that this administration has repeatedly singled out by name various reporters to admonish them publicly. Just this summer, government spokesman Yanis Ikonomou accused political reporter Nektaria Stamouli and Greece's Foreign Press Association president of misreporting a story because she supposedly supported the opposition. He later had to walk those comments back because it turned out that her reporting was sound, but a flood of online abuse followed her. Nick, did you by any chance find for our next guest someone with 
good knowledge of the Greek media and perhaps experience of how the press operates outside of Greece to compare and contrast. Uh, Phoebe, after a lengthy search, <laughs> I have just the person for you. You'll be glad to know that I caught up with an old colleague, uh, Yanis Palolos, who was the Brussels correspondent for Catherine newspaper and Sky TV here in Greece. Yanis has also freelance for foreign publications, so he's got a very useful perspective on things. Putting things in perspective is what this podcast is all about. <laughs> indeed, indeed it is. Let's hear what Yanis had to say about all this. So, Yanis, thanks very much for joining us on the Agora podcast. We were going to refrain from dipping back into the issue of the Greek media landscape, media freedom in Greece, but we kind of got pulled into it by the Prime Minister's recent comments where he dismissed the Reporters Without Borders ranking and the general idea that there is a press freedom problem in Greece. It's like oh, uh, it's like Michael Corleone and Godfather exactly. 3, just, just when he thought he was out. They pulled him they back in. Dragging me back in, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Um, and here we, here we are talking about this issue again. Uh, I'd like to start off by asking you, this RSF ranking, and we've spoken on the show to someone from uh, RSF, I get the impression that it's becoming a bit of a straw man in the sense that it's something for the government to attack while sweeping genuine media problems under the carpet. Do you share that view? Do you see it differently? No, I would say I generally share it. First of all, thank you very much, Nick, for, for having me on. Uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure. Uh, I, I have to say I, I had a very similar thought. I mean, I myself, without having delved too deeply into it, I find it um, problematic that Greece is ranked below places like Poland and Hungary in, in the ranking. I was Problematic in the sense that you, it doesn't seem uh, it seems accurate overly, or representative. Overly harsh. Overly yeah, harsh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, I was told that uh, that may line the fact, to some extent at least, that uh, the methodology gives too much weight to the issue of uh, the murder of Yorgos Karaivaz. It's a, obviously... Correct, yeah huge issue I, I don't mean to downplay the issue but of course, of course i don't think that one case is representative of uh, of the state of media freedom in the country uh, but on the other hand i very much agree that uh, you know focusing on um, sort of incongruities in the rankings and you know countries that are above us that should be below us and so on uh, is is a very good way to avoid the very real issues which exists with media freedom and media independence in the country and media quality. Uh, and these are issues that have um, gotten much worse in the last, uh, I would say, decade or so uh, as a function of the, of the economic crisis, the financial crisis. And there are uh, particular and, and very disturbing issues relating to it, which are um, things that have happened under the current uh, government. Okay. Let's split those into two if we can. Look at the, the crisis years. 
Give us a summary of how, how you think the media landscape in Greece was affected by the crisis and why that created problems with regards to equality, freedom, independence, and so on. Yes. So I would say uh, one aspect of it was the fact that uh, Greek media became a lot less uh, financially independent. Many uh, went bankrupt early on. Those that survived uh, became more and more dependent on a small number of big uh, advertisers, uh, big Greek companies, which you will uh, very rarely see or ever see investigative pieces about in, in the mainstream Greek press. And also they became more dependent on, on government money uh, offered in various guises and under various pretexts. Um, also, it was a period of um, the significantly increased the polarization and it became harder and harder for a um, for an outlet which was uh, aligned with one political party to write independently and critically about the misbehavior of that party in power. Um, so we saw the the increasing phenomenon of you know uh, a media supportive of a government writing about the scandals of the previous government. Um, which is obviously very problematic and 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 undermines the credibility of of the media and uh, I think a third element which is related to that is also the the rise of uh, social media in this period which uh, also sort of drove people away from the mainstream press uh, and maybe led to some responses by the mainstream media to try to get some of that readership back, which were not in the best interests of, of quality and, and uh, you know, in-depth investigation and, and objectivity. Do you think also, and this is perhaps not just a, a Greek phenomenon, also the, the um, rising prominence of social media also um, encouraged, spurred media commentators to perhaps adopt a lot of the quite poisonous, uh, mm. quite extreme language and attitudes reflected in social media in their own writing and the own opinions they shared because they felt that this was the way to stay relevant and that in itself became this uh, self-feeding uh, process that uh, just uh, made uh, opinion writing, at least, in in the media less uh, accurate, less useful, less uh, about addressing issues and more about striking mm. a, a blow against an opponent. Yeah, so I mean, you, you basically elaborated and said what I uh, sort of hinted at a, a lot better. Uh, essentially, what you have is you see through social media that, you know, it's the most outrageous and the, mo the most aggressive uh, posts that garner the most uh, attention. Uh, and uh, this creates that urge in commentators to to reproduce that in their in their writing. And I think that problem is particularly acute in Greece because it has been shown repeatedly in uh, international studies like the Reuters Oxford study that Greece among developed countries is the one where the public is most uh, skeptical of the mainstream press and, and most willing to get its news from social media. So you know that pressure therefore in Greece is is bigger and and the temptation to adopt the 
the aggressively polemic style of social media uh, is is stronger. Let's look at the, the the second stage that you talked about, the, the last few years where this e- issue of uh, media freedom has been coming up more frequently. What do you think happened there? Why why has this become an issue, such a prominent issue in Greece? So um, I think um, one of the things that's happened, uh, so first of all, to... To put it in its proper context, we had a, a left-wing government uh, in Greece between 2015 and 2019. These were newcomers to power, um, and they had a certain sort of, uh, we can call it a persecution complex, a sense that they were in office but not in power, and that therefore they needed to very quickly gain footholds in, in among other uh, places, the media, uh, in order to get their message across and not be sort of... In a, in a constant state of, of, of siege. And they did a number of things there, including, you know, targeting journalists, um, you know, uh, doing uh, tax audits against owners who were thought to be critical of the government, um, organizing a, a tender for TV licenses, which was shut down as unconstitutional. A number of, uh, I would say, clumsy and mostly ineffective uh, efforts at, at increasing their influence with the media. Um, and this, uh, you know, this created a backlash, but also created some precedence. And then when the, the current conservative government came in, um, as we can now tell with the benefit of hindsight, there was a, a very strong urge to control the message. Uh, there was a... Um, um, there was, how to put it, fertile ground among the mainstream media who were, uh, who had a bad relationship with the Syriza government and therefore were, were welcoming, you know, new leadership uh, at the period when Greece seemed to be exiting the crisis uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so in that situation, we have seen this government use a number of uh, tools um, to very aggressively sort of go after those who criticize it um, and to create a an atmosphere in which, um, you know, uh, it's very easy to to target critical reporting and, and to paint it as something other than proper reporting, but as the, as a, as the result of the person writing being a supporter of the opposition, right. you know, as something that comes from from bad incentives instead yep. of something that's uh, uh, in the interests of good journalism. Uh, if we're making an assessment of where we are at the moment, following what you've described, this has been a turbulent period, not just for the country, but also for its institutions and, and clearly the, the media being one of those. Um, in, in the first... Uh, half of the show, our listeners will have heard from Pavel Zalai, who's the head of the RSF's EU and Balkans desk. And he was recently in Athens for a conference on um, the media uh, freedoms and uh, and so on. And here's a quote. This is what he said during that uh, conference. There is only one country in which recently a journalist was assassinated Journalists are under arbitrary surveillance. There are many slap cases. 
police violence, attacks on journalists and harassment of journalists covering migration, lack of independence of the public media. Do you think that's a fair assessment of the problems that we are facing at the moment in Greece as far as the media is concerned? I think most of that is accurate. I'm not uh, in a position to say that it's the only country, and I assume it's mm. not the only country where mm. a lot of these things uh, happen. Yeah, I, I think um, the problem the, the problem goes back to what you said earlier, and to which which Pavel in his interview essentially highlighted is that it it is slightly skewed because of the uh, murder of a, a journalist, Yoros Karevas, which is obviously a very serious uh, incident but is not something that will, will, will thankfully happen on uh, a regular basis yes and i think that the what distinguish uh, distinguishes greece uh, in a bad way in that regard is not uh, the murder itself but the fact that it hasn't been uh, resolved absolutely. right yeah um, yeah, yeah so but, but 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 leaving that aside for a moment i mean you know obviously uh, right now, as we're speaking, in the last few days, there was a um, confirmation that uh, Tasos Teloglu, who is probably Greece's top uh, investigative journalist and, and someone who cannot be accused of you know, favoring one side or the other, mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, revealed that he was under government surveillance. Uh, other uh, investigative reporters have also been shown to have been under surveillance, including under predator surveillance, the the aggressive spyware tool, where where there is a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that this tool was used by uh, APE, the the government intelligence uh, agency, um, and you know this, uh, and 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 we don't know how many others. Uh, this alone, this in itself is extremely problematic and uh, um, serious. Uh, and creates a real uh, climate of fear among journalists and among potential sources of journalists for obvious reasons. And I find it actually particularly worrying that in the whole discussion that has been going on in the country about the surveillance scandal since last summer, uh, there's been a lot of focus on the surveillance of uh, Nikos Andrulakis, the leader of PASOK. Uh, there, There were some... Uh, not particularly impressive remedial clauses in the new law that was recently passed, but there was almost no discussion and no concern seemingly on the part of the government about, you know, the chilling effects on journalism of of having uh, independent journalists under surveillance. And, you know, we don't know um, what the reasons were. Uh, the The intelligence service has used the the pretext of national security, which means we can't delve any further. And maybe all these independent journalists and all these opposition politicians were all agents of foreign governments. But, you know, Occam's razor points to another direction. Uh, it points to the fact that they were uh, creating problems for the government. Mm. Uh, and when you start equating national security with government uh, survival, you're in, in, at the start of a very uh, slippery slope. Yeah, so that's it, it, very, very problematic. And mm-hmm. uh, just to... to, to Add to that, sure. because uh, you talked about the issue of uh, people covering migration. The, the first p- journalist who was discovered to have been under surveillance, an investigative reporter, Stavros Malihoudis, is someone who's done excellent work on, on migration. And uh, other, other than these kinds of 
very sort of direct attempts to control what is being written, uh, like putting people under surveillance. We've also seen a great deal of, um, I would say, self-censorship in in mm. in the area in in the coverage of the of this issue because it's an issue that's closely tied to Turkey. Um, the government line is that everything bad that goes on in the Greek-Turkish border is the fault of Turkey. Uh, now, this is not to gain. This is not to say that Turkey is not doing terrible things and is not instrumentalizing uh, migrant flows to put pressure on Greece. But that does not mean uh, that uh, there are no systematic abuses on the Greek side. But I think many of our fellow Greek journalists, uh, out of a sense of a I would say misguided patriotic uh, duty, mm-hmm. sense of patriotic duty, they feel they shouldn't cover this issue too much because it gives fodder to Erdogan for his anti-Greek uh, propaganda. So that's another area where I would say the government has very successfully framed the issue as a Greece-Turkey issue instead yeah. of a rights issue. And, 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 has and been able to... it's created a lot of frustration with foreign media coverage of this issue as well, which like any any anything else uh, at times has been very good at other times perhaps not so uh, not so great yeah yeah um going back to the surveillance issue one of the things that really uh stood out for me was uh, you mentioned Stavros Malihoudis who was uh, uh wiretapped by the national intelligence service we also have the case of Thanasis Koukakis, a financial reporter who was also wiretapped, but also targeted with the predator spyware. And in both cases, it was dismissed as a, in terms of importance by prominent journalists themselves who were essentially saying, well, these guys aren't very well known. It doesn't really matter. And who'd want to know what's you know they're saying in their conversations or what messages they're uh, exchanging which was very jarring. Well, even if we buy that, Nick, uh, which clearly we shouldn't, but even if we buy that, that should make these more prominent journalists much more concerned because it means that, you know, the more prominent persons, perhaps like themselves, are certainly under surveillance. Well, I I even saw one on TV, so, you know, the, the... he was asked if he would like to have his phone tapped, and he, his his response was, I, "I have nothing to hide," which is an incredible claim for for a, a, a journal, someone who calls himself a journalist, to to, mm. to make. But anyway, I, one of the issues that uh, Pavel Zalai mentioned there in in the, the quote I read was the 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 role, the role of the public media, and he he what he claims is a lack of independence. And again, this ties in a little bit with the surveillance issue in the sense that um, when this government came to power, they put the National Intelligence Service under the control of the Prime Minister's office and also did the same with the public broadcaster Earth and the uh, semi-state news agency, the Athens uh, yeah. Macedonian News Agency. Uh, given that you've worked abroad you're a brussels correspondent that you've uh, you you've cooperated with foreign media you've written for, for foreign outlets isn't it a little odd for the public broadcaster and the, the the news agency to be under the control or the auspices of the prime minister's office and maybe odd is being you know is a kind word well i mean um it's certainly not ideal i have to say that on that front though 
the the period where we saw a real deterioration in quality, especially of Earth, was under the previous government, under the Syriza mm-hmm. government. And I would argue, although I don't very often watch it, that Earth is actually uh, significantly better now than it was under Syriza. As for AMNA, the, the Athens and Macedonian news agency, I mean, it continues, unfortunately, to be less a kind of an objective uh, sort of source of all information relating to, to Greece and more in, in in the case of each government, more the, the mouthpiece and and, the, and an agency that will very much uh, edit the, the news output in a way that will not uh, create uh, a disturbance or annoyance in, in the in the offices of those in power. Yeah, it's it's a point that uh, Stavros Malouhoudis makes in a, a recent uh, piece he he wrote about his concerns about media freedom in Greece. And one of the points he makes, and this is perhaps interesting for listeners who are not very familiar with the media landscape in Greece, is that uh, the Athens Macedonian News Agency essentially provides, at a rough estimate, eighty percent of the news articles that appear on most news websites in in Greece. So it has a huge influence on what uh, people read if they're getting their news online. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's that's one of the issues uh, uh, why why it's uh, such such a concern what kind of content is coming out from this sort of semi-state uh, news agency but it also ties in with another phenomenon we have here, again, something perhaps particular to the Greek landscape, where we have a, a huge fragmentation, certainly in, in terms of the online media, where we have literally hundreds of uh, news websites uh, often copying, copying and pasting news from each other and picking up uh, stuff from the mainstream media which they're not attributing or just uh, regurgitating the wires that are coming out from the Athens news agency and it, my sense is it creates a kind of sort of free-for-all that it's very difficult to regulate not that I have seen any great effort to try and uh, regulate this environment yeah no that's certainly the case and uh, you know a uh, number of colleagues will will sort of uh complain about this, about the fact that their work is being taken and not really repackaged. And it may mm. mention in the fourth or fifth paragraph that this came from uh, Kathimerini and uh, mm. but they will be a, they will appear higher in the in the Google rankings and therefore will be more read than the the original piece. Uh, I think, you know, the it's all part of a landscape in which you have really limited uh, or or really sort of ineffective regulation of media quality by the government uh, and uh, really ineffective uh, self-regulation in terms of of quality because it doesn't seem to be anyone's, except for a, a very few exceptions, it doesn't seem to be anyone's business model, you know, to build a quality output which will Absolutely. make it make it a profitable enterprise i mean you know greek media probably needs a good dose of uh, capitalism to make it a bit more uh, both effective and and uh, profitable 
and what what about like uh, uh, we have a media watchdog, but it seems pretty toothless. W- would that help us having a, a media watchdog that really does its uh, job properly? I mean, certainly would, but uh, I think that's pretty far down in the <laughs> uh, in in the priorities of of any incoming government i mean it seems pretty clear that uh, in in a situation which where it's much easier to do compared to 10 12 years ago the priority of of incoming governments is to make sure that you know the, uh, that the media environment which is already limited in terms of uh, independence will be uh, more and more willing to play ball and to reproduce the narrative that the government wants Mm-hmm. And that's that's a, an ill omen for the future as well. Whoever uh, you know gets into power in the coming years. Yeah, absolutely. To go back to the issue that you were talking about, the, the the business model, and perhaps to try to sort of throw this forward and and perhaps um, discuss something a bit more encouraging. Uh, we the last podcast episode we did was about the surveillance scandal and we finished it off by uh, discussing with Nicolas Leodopoulos of Reporters United, a, a collective of investigative journalists, about perhaps finding some hope in the fact that this story about potentially dozens of journalists, politicians and so on being wiretapped illegally as well as through legal means uh we could find something positive in that in that it's it's an issue that was investigated and brought to light by small independent investigative outlets all of which have been created over the last few years inside story reporters united solomon and so on to to name a few um do you, do you find that encouraging that there is some change going on in the the Greek media landscape that new outlets are coming into it perhaps with different business models whether it's subscription syndication whatever it may be and um, a different uh, a, a different mission if you like I do find it encouraging I think it's amazing that uh, these guys were able with extremely limited resources to to break these stories. Um, I think, you know, it's a good uh, sign for others that it can be done and it can have an effect. Uh, two things as as caveats. I mean, these are still organizations which are really challenged in terms of having the resources to do more and deeper work. Uh, so, you know, a lot will depend on their ability to find uh, such resources in the near future. And also, you know, the surveillance scandal, Reporters United and Inside Stories, Inside Story um, wrote a number of excellent revealing pieces about what was going on for, for weeks. And it really didn't break through to the public consciousness uh, until it was revealed that Nikos Andrulakis had been under surveillance in, in, in July. Mm-hmm. And that is a testament to the power that the mainstream media still has. The mainstream media has lost a great amount of credibility, but uh, especially television retains a a considerable hold on what the average uh, citizen learns. And therefore, you know, if they don't give oxygen to stories by by small outlets, it's a lot harder for them to to break through and to really have an impact. 
I'm glad you mentioned TV and perhaps we conclude on this because increasingly over the last few months, I'm having conversations with uh, people who are raising their concerns about what they see or don't see or, on TV. And the, the most recent one was with uh, our local grocer who at no prompting of uh, my own and you know why would i go into a shop randomly to <laughs> to discuss these things um i don't know Nick, start... you do some weird things yeah i i i, I do but uh, yeah this is this isn't one of them um he expressed to me his concern about the fact that his elderly parents and this often comes into the conversation uh watch a lot of tv watch uh almost rolling news on tv and mm. these are his words have come to live in a parallel reality to the one that he lives in and he said to me we're now at the point where there is no way if i go to visit them we can discuss anything that's happening in the news you know in politics whatever it may be because they will have what he sees is a completely warped view of events. And the, he says, there's no, there's no common ground I can find uh, with them. And this is the kind of conversation I've had uh, a lot with uh, people lately. And they're particularly concerned about their more sort of elderly uh, uh, relatives or, or friends. Do, mm. do you sense this, that sort of TV is, you know, a step further away from things than even perhaps uh, uh, radio online or, or print journalism is in Greece? I would probably say that's the case, yes. Mm. Uh, and it does, you know, it's it's not only the way that uh, the, you know, the, the evening news has developed. It's also the fact that most of these stations no longer have serious investigative shows which can can dig a little deeper and, and showcase certain other things that are uh, that are going on. There doesn't seem to be the appetite for that, uh, and so that means that um, you know a lot of the really uh, important things that are going on uh, in in the country are not really covered, and people who only get their news from there will be unaware of them, and that's that's a real problem. And for people who are uh, somewhat aware of these things and never see them on the TV news, it deepens their skepticism and their rejection of mainstream media. And maybe, you know, it uh, sends them, when it comes to their news, mm -hmm. to uh, conspiracy websites or to extremist yeah. voices on, on social media. Side and, of and, it. Yeah. Yeah. and when it comes to politics, perhaps it directs them away from the mainstream and towards extremist parties. So it's very much, you know, a part of the problem because, you know, it's one thing and, and very problematic in itself if you are uh, controlling the message and not uh, telling your viewers what's really going on. And that's already very bad. But uh, you know, in a sense, it's even worse if people find out, because then they will reject uh, the the mainstream or the systemic press and and the and the politicians they associate with it, and they will move in uh, an extremist direction. Great, uh, probably not not the uplifting point I wanted to finish this conversation on, but uh, a very good dose of realism. But maybe you know the message we can take away is. For people listening, support quality journalism and 
listen to more podcasts, especially this one. Yes, and, and give us more money. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yanis, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining us in, on the Agora. Thank you, Nick. That was Yanis Palologos, a freelance journalist who served as the Brussels correspondent for the Greek media, talking to Nick about whether there is a press freedom problem in Greece. I think Yanis set out the issues very clearly and eloquently there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that we had the chance to take the discussion beyond the cliched arguments that are thrown out in the slanging match between the government and the opposition and their supporters, of course, that... Uh, comes up every time this issue uh, is in the uh, public eye, whether it's the claims about the urbanization of Greek, that's Victor Orban, or the uh, country being a haven for (laughs) media pluralism because you can see newspapers spouting all kinds of rubbish on display at your local kiosk. Uh, The debate about this issue tends to lead to dead ends, and I think uh, we we took it somewhere else with uh, Yanis there, and I think that was very useful. We're all about finding a way through the issues troubling Greece and its people. And hopefully, we've managed to make some progress on this episode, which will be our last for 2022. We'll be back with more discussion and more analysis in the new year. Which will also be an election year, Phoebe. I know you can't contain your excitement. I can feel it coming across even the screen, <laughs> I'm, you know, the, the vibes. <laughs> I love elections. You know this about me. And it's been so long since the last one. (laughs) But until then, guys, subscribe to the show. Rate us. Send us your comments and questions. And you will always be up to date with Greek news. And write in. Let us know what kind of subjects you'd like to hear covered in 2023. Ah, The the full Agora interactive experience. (laughs) Let's say it's our gift to you for this Christmas. Anyway, we hope you will have a merry time. We'll be back in the new year. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, all. Happy holidays.